are we about innovation? Is this about the elders? Quick, get together. Who's good at rhyming? You know, who's good at alliteration? Think of something. We've got to, we've got to keep people with us. We've got to stay, keep people on board here. No, that's actually really not what we're about. It's the last thing we're about. Um, we don't feel that we've gathered you here. We don't feel we've gathered you at all. We feel you guys have gathered to Christ. Gathered to Jesus. And, um, you know, in his, in his wisdom, he's decided at this point that myself, Simon, uh, Richard Hayes should govern and, and, and that, and that's a privilege that we, that we love. But we're not the head of the church. He's the head of the church. And he's the big deal. And he's the impressive one. And he's building the church. And he's leading us forward. And, and so in that sense, we're not going to innovate anything. We're just going to try and imitate rather than innovate, which kind of rhymes. So you can put that in your notebook. Just try and, try and say, well, what are we about? This tells us what we're about. You'd much rather hear what this tells us what we're about than some idea that we've thought of. This is the big deal. So we're going to imitate. But... Um, because the Christian vision is unique. It's not like any other vision. See, where if you're a Christian, you're an alien and a stranger, you're a pilgrim on the planet. In this age, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't, we don't quite fit. And if you do quite fit, something's wrong. Because we've been, we've been, we still live in the world, but we're no longer of the world. And so if we just come up with someone that's going to oh yeah, this, 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 will be, this will be it, and it's just like any other vision, you can change a few words and it'll work for a business or work for a charity, you think, well, what, what have we done? This is completely unique. We're pilgrims, we've got a destination, and uh, our destination is not this age, our destination isn't something human. He, he's our destination. He's our destination, he's where we're going. Our vision's about going home, and he's our home. And that, that's, that's gripping, that's thrilling. That time, that moment when we will see him face to face. It's actually brought to my attention very recently in a pastoral setting. Someone very graciously said, whilst preaching through the Galatians series, you talked about having face to face time with God. And the person very soberly and wisely said to me, it left me thinking, what planet are you on? And I thought, yeah, you're right, I shouldn't have said that. Praise God for the intimacy we have with him in this age. But there's an age coming, and it's not this age, when we will see him face to face. So I'm sorry for those misleading words. But we are to be gripped with a vision that one day we will see him face to face. Revelation 22 talks about it. That's what we're about. That's what we are going for. But then that created me a second dilemma. How on earth on one Sunday do you sum this thing up? So I had a few ideas that I was pumping with for a few hours and then, you know, through faith and patience we will inherit the promises. Come on guys, it's a good one. I love that one. That's kind of, I like that. It's good. Pray that one a lot. Think about that one a lot. Oops. But then you know, it kind of gets way to other things. You think, well, okay, but what about abiding me and you'll bear much fruit? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I more like it. You get oh, sitting there and you think, hold on a minute. Hold on. Love. Oh my goodness, the last two. It's all about the great command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. I love your neighbour yourself. Cool. The great command. What about the great commission? Hold on. I'll make disciples of all nations. And you see the kind of where I've been. I'm, you know, this is honest. This is the, and it praise God. It was last night that I felt I got some clarity whilst walking up one of the Highgate hills. What is the foundation and the root of all of those wonderful things I've just mentioned? Is Jesus? It's Jesus. He's our vision. He. Now that's wonderful. 
That works on every level. See, the vision is a person. Because, you see, if Jesus is our vision, then that means the Father gets glorified. Because the Bible says that when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, that will be to the glory of God the Father. It's absolutely in the Father's heart that his Son is exalted and held with the highest esteem and given all the adulation. So if Jesus is our vision, the Father's glorified. If Jesus is our vision, then the Holy Spirit is vital. Because you cannot know Jesus except by his Spirit. You can't, just, you can't just look at a number of facts and then as a result say, I know Jesus, you may know about him, but you can't know him except through the Holy Spirit. And the, Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. This is before he went to the cross. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come and be with you. But he's referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one whose presence he comes and he opens the eyes of our heart. And we see Jesus. So that means that if Jesus is our vision, then we maintain as a church the absolute necessity and centrality of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Which I just want to say and say again and say again, we will not bow the knee to intellectualism. We won't throw out the mind, but we will have our minds renewed, but we will not bow the knee to intellectualism. The kingdom of God does not go forward through intellectualism. It goes forward when people meet God by the power of the Holy Spirit as the gospel is preached. That's what we're going for. So if Jesus is our vision, then we remain utterly dependent on and hungry for the Holy Spirit. I'm up for that. If Jesus is our vision, then the scripture remains treasured in this church. Because Jesus himself says in John 8, if you abide in my words, then you're truly disciples of mine. And then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so we know that, actually, yeah, there are certain words, specifically Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John recorded as Jesus saying, but we believe all scripture is God-breathed. We absolutely believe this. And so if Jesus is our vision, then how do, we, how do we know Jesus? You can have all the amazing encounters and third heaven stuff, yeah, but you've got to be rooted in the scripture. If you start saying stuff that's not, that, that goes against this, you've been deceived. So we're absolutely committed to the scripture if Jesus is our vision. If Jesus is our vision, then we'll keep preaching the gospel. Because he's the one who said, go and preach the gospel to all creation. So we remain utterly anchored and rooted in our proclamation. We don't begin to withdraw and retreat and become politically correct. We mustn't say that. We must say that. We must absolutely talk about the love of God. We must talk about the good news of Jesus Christ, that he has come and he has died for our sins so we can be forgiven and he's risen from the dead and he's alive today and he's changing lives. We must proclaim that. His name must remain on our lips. And if he's our vision, that will continue to be the case. If Jesus is our vision, then we'll carry on loving the church. We won't lose heart and give up on the church because Jesus gave himself up for the church. He loves the church sacrificially. He has no plan B. He loves his bride. He is a faithful groom. If Jesus is our vision, then the kingdom will be prioritised. Because he said to us, seek first the kingdom and God's righteousness. And then everything else will be added. So we, we order our lives right. We think, okay, what am, I, what am I going for? I'm going for the kingdom. I'm going for the royal activity of God. I'm going for the power of God. I'm going for righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. I'm going for the wonder of wonders, the amazing government of Jesus Christ in my and our life. If Jesus is our vision, then we're going to be fruitful. Because he said, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. If Jesus is our vision then our ambition in life will be pure. The Apostle Paul said this, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9. He said, we make it our ambition to please him in all things. That's a wonderful ambition. If your ambition in life is to please Jesus in all things, 
That's a godly ambition. So your heart gets purified. If Jesus is our vision, then we will never be bored. Because the Bible talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ. You can't get to the bottom of him. The Bible says that all the, all the, all the mysteries of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. He is, the, he is the ultimate exploration. He is the ultimate destination. You never, ever get to the bottom. So I think if we've got our vision is Jesus, we are going to be in a good place. The Bible says the key to transformation is having a vision of Jesus. As we behold him, we are changed into his likeness, one degree of glory unto another. Did you know that whatever you look at, you become? Did you know that you become what you worship? It's a biblical principle. God says, you followed after worthlessness, you became worthless. Whatever you worship, you become it. Whatever you behold, whatever you spend your time gazing on, that is what you become. That is, it affects the very fibre of your being. You want to be transformed? You look on Jesus, you'll be changed into his likeness. It's wonderful. This is so beautiful. If Jesus is our vision, we'll remain anchored in the gospel. We won't get into an empire mentality. We won't get into a mentality. It's all about us. Revelation church. No, we realise Jesus is building his church, capital C which we get to be a part of, but it's so much bigger than us. We have a generous heart and a a warm embrace for every other gospel-believing church. We link hands with St. Luke's and with Talk Farm Baptist and with New Life and with others. We say, yes, 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 we embrace you because you are about the supremacy of Jesus. Jesus is our vision, then we'll do church the way he wants us to do church. We'll be released from the straitjacket of kind of old, traditional forms that have got no place in the Bible. We will link up with apostles, apostolic ministries that will help us as a church lift our head and take us into new horizons and help us plant into new nations. We'll do it. We, will, we won't just see that as some side thing. We'll look at the Bible and say, no, hold on, look, all these local churches that are written to, who are they being written to? They're being written to an apostle. They've been written by an apostle. They're connected with ministry outside of just their local setting. They're caught up in something big. And so we're we're absolutely convinced this family of churches God has connected us with. New Frontiers, now a a multiplication of a movement, all kinds of different spheres. We're linked in with Mike Betts and Relational Mission and that team. I tell you what, you just watch. You watch the next one, two, five, ten years. That link here is going to bear so much fruit. You completely understand what I'm talking about. And if Jesus is our vision, then we get God's heart for the poor. Because he said, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And we get our heads straight on that. And we, we continue to establish and strengthen things like the food bank, CAP, prison ministry, and all of that homeless club, breakfast club. We keep getting that stronger and stronger and keep our ear to the ground. Holy Spirit, what's next? Holy Spirit, what other people that have been marginalised, oppressed, left out, do you want us to gather in? It's a wonderful thing if Jesus is our vision. So I'm going to simply read to you some verses where someone had a vision of Jesus and then we'll leave it there. It's a short sermon today because we're going to be doing all kinds of other sharing. Revelation chapter 1 verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches. 
Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, as white as snow, his eyes were like a flame of fire, his feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. This man, John, who knew Jesus closely, who when Jesus was on the earth, he leaned up against his breast during the dinner, just reclined on him and asked him a question, intimacy. Suddenly he sees Jesus after he's died, being resurrected and ascended in a vision, sees Jesus in his glory and falls on his face like a dead man. Jesus is glorified. And if we as a church have a vision of a glorified Jesus, then we will know what it is to be slain, to die to all that's familiar, to die to our self-assurance, to die to our we-can-do-it, to die to our self-salvation. We will fall at his feet like a dead man, like a dead woman, be made alive in him, and then gladly walk with him as aliens and strangers on earth for his glory and for his fame. I want to end by saying he is the greatest vision we could ever have. Please, if he could be your vision... As an individual, it's the greatest vision you could ever have. He's the goal. The Apostle Paul said, I make it my aim to know him. That's the mission. We do all the other stuff, but it's all an overflow of knowing him. If you do the other stuff, but you don't know him, you've missed the centre. You've missed the point. All the stuff we do, where we go, oh great, oh we fed 800, praise God. It's an overflow of the fact that we've seen Jesus and he's touched, changed our lives and we are pursuing him and walking with him. And so, speaking to those of you now that are part of the church, can he be our vision? Can we be gripped with him? Can we make it our aim to know him, to walk with him, to treasure him, to esteem and love him, to make him the centre of our affection, attentions, imagination? I tell you what, we will, we, will, we will find life in all its fullness if we do. This thing is about a person. It's not what you were made for, it's who you were made for. That's why we know we're deep in our heart. A love relationship is the answer. But I tell you, it's not, with a, not a love relationship with a creature. It's with the creator. That's the answer. And a community of people that are pursuing that and in that and enjoying that together. Wow. What on earth could happen? Who knows? Who knows? But I'll end in prayer and hand over to Simon. Jesus, you are enough. You're way more than enough. And yet so often our fussing, anxious, idolatrous hearts won't believe it. And we find ourselves looking here, there and everywhere and going for novelty one minute and something else the next. We just want to confess as a church we are absolutely committed and dedicated to your preeminence and your centrality. You're the one. You're the Messiah. You're the Saviour. And uh, Lord, you brought us to that point even in us singing and praising earlier. You brought us there. And you say, Lord, we want to stay there. 
place of adoration. We want to learn to live out of fellowship with you. We don't want to, we don't want to be conformed to the pattern of this world. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So I just want to commit us to saying, Lord, we're after you. We're going for you. We're looking for you. Be there our vision. Be there our vision, I pray. Thank you, God. And those of you who you're not sure if you're a Christian or you know, you, you know you're not, I just want to just urge you to come to Christ. Come to him. Turn away from sin and come to him. Turn away from every other promise which will prove false. No, nothing and no one else can bring life to the full and satisfaction to the soul. Come to Jesus. It's exhilarating, mystifying. There's so many different adjectives I could use. But I genuinely believe, hand on heart, if you really come to him and continue, continue to pursue him radically, like, you know, like earnestly, that he, beca- he remains the one, you will never be disappointed. You won't. You will not be put to shame. And I just feel in the Holy Spirit now, actually, I just wasn't expecting to do this, but I just want to speak to some of you that are part of the church here and just want to, I want to call you back to a proper ordering. I want to call you back to going for Christ. Not Jesus and, just go for Jesus. That doesn't mean you can't have and enjoy other things in life, not at all, quite the opposite. He gives us all things for our enjoyment. He loves to bless. No, it's not that, but, but, You've got to be able to look in the mirror and say, I'm about one thing, chiefly. And everything else I do, whether it's leisure, relationships, work, it all comes under that, that very sharp arrow of, I'm about Jesus. I'll just call you back to that today. He's, there's grace for us in it. It's not a heavy burden. It's really not. Actually, it's heavy when we get out of that. It, there's a light burden and an easy yoke. He's got. I want to just call you back. Let's go for Jesus. All right, uh, thank you, Steph. And uh, I was just sitting there thinking, actually, um, we don't very often, you know, just acknowledge uh, um, this man. You know, I, I um, see him laboring and toiling a lot, you know, practically and in prayer for the church. And uh, just, just hearing that word, I think it's just, we're wonderfully privileged to have Steph um, to point us to Jesus. I think every time I come, I'm moved to you know, to seek relationship with Jesus, and that's just a wonderful thing. So can we just honour Steph? Yeah. All right, so um, Steph said Jesus is our vision, and we're not going to seek to better that or to move from beyond that. Uh, But what we would like to do is to share with you now some of the words that God has spoken prophetically about the church. Um, There's different ways that we're going to express our love for Jesus and God has spoken some quite powerful and specific words, some of which we see, um, I guess, evolving and some of which we see um, about us now. So, for example, some of the uh, ministries, the Mercy Ministries with Food Bank and Cap were... um, you know, were, were a dream a long, a long while ago, and now we're seeing them, and 
come to come to play. Um, but there's lots here, I guess, that we're holding as a church and as elders. We wanted to we want to we carry this, but we want to to carry for you to all carry it too, and just to to share with you what it is that God's put on our hearts. So we're going to share a bit first of all, looking at some words that God has spoken over the church as a whole, and then we as elders are going to just speak for a few minutes on on the thing that we think you know God has really put on our hearts to to say to the church. So to begin with, um, I'm going to play a couple of clips from a guy called Julian Adams, who uh, some of you, if you've been around New Frontiers, may know him. He's a guy who's gifted, very gifted prophetically, and he's spoken um, prophetically over the church a number of times Said that are serious about seeing the presence of God, are serious about inviting the presence of God whenever we meet and seeing his power at work amongst us. I just want to ask Steph to come and join me for a sec. Um, he was about when a lot of these words were given, so I just said perhaps if you could elaborate on a couple of things. Uh, I'm not playing the entire clip because he spoke for quite a long time, but there's a couple of other pointers there that Julian spoke about, uh, about unblocking wells, apostolic pioneering edge of the church and the cave of Dunham. And maybe just towards the last one, you could just elaborate a bit, Steph. One. Cave of Adullam. That's when um, the, David, before he was a king, he was being hounded around the wilderness by King Saul, who was against him, and so he was on the run for years. And at one point, he he went to a cave called Adullam, and he was staying in there uh, with a few people, ragtag bunch that were with him. And it says that everyone who was either distressed or discontented or uh, in debt came to him. Uh, and then the next thing we read about, we can read about this army forming around him. And the prophetic word, I think two or three people independently had it for us, said that there would be. Uh, numbers of people like that, you know, that sort of come limping, really, to use a church. But God will put a grace on you to be able to turn them into an army. And um, we've, seen, we've seen that numbers of times. It's very wonderful to see God bring great healing um, to people through the church that, that have faced these situations. So, um, yeah, but we, you know, out of that, we feel real confidence to really embrace and welcome all kinds of people as long as they're happy to let God work. Thanks. All right, I'm going to play another little clip from Julian here. He's talking about three some breakthrough into communities through the Mercy Ministries, through Food Bank and CAP, but also I got that really stirred us to start thinking about gospel communities, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, but setting up mission-focused communities um, in the area around us so that we're not just you know, contained here on a Sunday morning, that we're out there preaching Jesus and loving people to him in a very practical and hopefully apparent way to the community. Uh, so we'll share a bit more about gospel communities in a minute, but that is just so very exciting. The second one um, is kind of a prayer for me at the moment. Those of you who have been part of the church know that we've had a uh, you know an interesting journey in terms of uh, finances. For those of you that are new or visiting, we are totally self-supporting in terms of finances. Um, and, you know, it's... Um, it's a, it's resource heavy to make something like this happen, but I just think it's wonderful, you know, hearing a word like Julian was saying. This is not going to be a place that's going to be, you know, struggling to make ends meet, but it's going to be a place of abundant resource to be able to bless other churches and to bless nations and to be able to start things. And I think I'm holding on to that picture there rather than looking at what we have in the natural and I'm just saying God let that be so because I think the heart of generosity in this church is really apparent having been in it myself for the last five or six years I think there's just such big hearts wanting so much to express Jesus in many many different ways and so this really excites me I'm saying God let let this be so um, and then lastly, um, in terms of the multimedia, we've got a, a whole heap of incredibly gifted and creative individuals in this church. And a lot of the time I'm thinking at home, wow, well, God, what are you going to do with this collection of people? So much talent, so many 
ways that you can be expressed. And, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but I think it's incredibly exciting just to think what, what God's brought together here and what might come from it. Uh, following that, I've just got a few other uh, prophetic words, just a few bullets of people have brought Julian and other people. And um, again, I'm just going to ask Steph to perhaps just pull a couple out. And uh, he doesn't know I'm going to do this, but <laughs> some some other words and um, talk a little bit about them. So uh, you can all read. So I'm not going to read them out. I'm just going to pass to Steph and perhaps see if there's any you want to talk to, Steph. Um, aware of, I'm very aware of the time. We're going to do, what should I do? I'll just pull out one or two. Okay, so Antioch Sending Church. Um, we've obviously sent some dear people to, to different nations and locations, um, you know, and, and, and it's brilliant to see that. Um, I don't want us to rest on our laurels. I think it's something that should, we should just be absolutely pumping with constantly. Um, the, that, that go ringing out, that's what God wants for us. That we learn to pastor people well, but our foundation is not partial, it's apostolic. It's about sending. Go, go, go. We're about something, aren't we? Yeah? God, Jesus has put his hand on our head, he's sent us. So we either stay and go, or we go and go. But let's, let's just keep in that place. I know there's so many in our ranks that are excited to, to go and waiting to go. Just, just keep in step with the Spirit. God will bring it about in greater measure as time, as time goes forward. And uh, maybe I'll just look at... Um, which one should I go for? There's uh, so many to choose. Um, gang leaders like putty. We don't talk about it often, but there's a very interesting word about gang leaders in, in the area being like putty in our hands. And um, I, I would I would say that sort of one of my biggest fears is that is that the church becomes just a respectable kind of deal. You know, where we're not actually reaching into the, the darkest and the hairiest of places. It's not for everyone. But it must be for some among us. And I want to just maybe just let that word go out again freshly and just trust that it won't come back empty. Just say that the trust of the Holy Spirit will stir some. We've, we've, you know, we, uh, we mustn't be safe. Because actually being safe isn't really safe. We want to be like Jesus. He took risks. That's the safest place we can be. And so I want to just maybe let that word hang there like a provocation more than anything else. And my prayer would be that over the coming years that increasingly the mix among us is shocking. I think, oh, must be the gospel, must be God, God is on the move. Um, but they were, I've just let it hang out there and I think that maybe for one or two hearts that it could be an arrow moment. If so, let's talk. All right. In 2011, we started uh, gospel communities. That we currently have nine and uh, they are the way in which we, I guess, express ourselves midweek outside of this building here and um, I'm going to share a video now with some well a representative from all nine gospel on the tables out there if you are not in a GC a gospel community then please do take this afternoon to find out um, about a gospel community and get along if you're not sure which one then just go and try one because they're all good all right lastly then um, we're going to end by just uh, I'd like to invite the other my fellow elders, to come up. Uh, we are just going to share just for a couple of minutes on, on uh, I guess, what we carry for the church, what's on our hearts, and then we're going to go back into a time of praise. So, guys, we're getting the chairs. Good. All right, I'm going to...
hand over to Hayda, who's going to kick us off. Okay. Hey. Wow. Well, kind of just to say amen to what Simon said about Steph, but for these guys, really, I've come into something just so extraordinary with these guys, and it's just so lovely to be journeying, really, with them. So I just wanted to share a little bit about what God's given me. Um, as an elder for Revelation Church, I just want to share some stuff with you. I want to go back to just when I became a Christian about 11 years ago. And when I got saved, from that moment, God, God just got my attention. Um, and the way he did that is, is by just giving me a sense of, um, sense of purpose in life. And he spoke over me quite a few times, time and time and again. Um, and the two things that stuck out the most, firstly, was when uh, he said that I will one day lead a church. And the second thing was that I will baptize many. Now, at the time, I was quite mature as a Christian, so I didn't really know what to do with those words. So as time went on, I learned to actually, I need to hold on to these words that God's spoken over me, and I'm to fight for them in, in my life. He also gave me a sense of uh, hope that, he gave me a reason to wake up every single day and to know that I'm loved by him, that I'm precious to him, um, and that he, that I'm worth something. And that was really massive for me, um, just to know that and to have a sense of hope to wake up like that. Um, throughout my Christian life, God's just been brewing a passion um, and a desire in my heart. And essentially, um, it's, it's Matthew 28. It's, it's basically to see God glorified um, on this earth through his church. And when I became an elder earlier this year at Revelation, um, back in January, it was because God said that, I, I, that that's what he's going to do in my life. And I look back and I think... Wow, I'm so thankful God fulfilled his word over my life. And he kept his promise that I'll do that. So it's not just because something I wanted to do and I wanted to kind of show off, if you like. So, so I stand here and I, well, I'm sitting here uh, before you because I just want to share um, what I'm fighting for, for this church. And I, what I, I'm going to use a passage in Ephesians where I think it best articulates how I feel about what I'm trying to express. Ephesians 4 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into christ from whom the whole body joint and held together by every joint with, with which it is equipped when each part is working properly it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love now just a couple of things i want to draw out very quickly so God gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, firstly, to equip the saints for works and for building up the body. Secondly, to mature manhood so that we are no longer children, tossed to and fro. And thirdly, speaking the truth in love. With each, uh, when each part is working properly, make the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. And my heart's desire is to see these areas as a, uh, in us as a church and for us to really grow in these areas as a church. And as an elder, I just want to shepherd this church to grow in that, really. And that's one of my, uh, one of my desires, really. Um, 
Yeah, just with the intention of maturing and making the church radiant and beautiful for God, not for my sake. So when I read passages like this, I get so stirred up to press into all that God's got for us so that we can be equipped for works and for building up the, the body, to mature man and son who are no longer children, to speak the truth in love to one another. We are to work together so that we can grow up in love. Amen. When talking about what I felt the revision would be for Revelation Church for the next season, I kind of drew a bit of a step. I drew a bit of a blank. And I almost settled on singing a song, but don't worry. I won't sing. <laughs> you joke, but I thought it would be profound. Anyway, no. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, <laughs> I've moved on from that. Um, and I just want to read um, from uh, Hebrews 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And really our vision is Jesus. Even when we meet as elders, our vision is Jesus. We have, <laughs> to be honest, we sometimes draw a blank and actually we just have to look to Jesus. Um, and I really feel kind of for, for the next season for us as a church, um, what are the practicalities that we need to be pressing into? What is it that we feel God's spoken to us about? Um, just like I read, it's a, ra- it's a race to run. Um, and even in that race, you have different periods, different seasons. You've got water breaks. You've got all sorts of things along the way. Um, and so what I feel God's calling us to is the next season. Um, I just noted three things down, um, most of which have actually already been said this afternoon. Um, and to be honest, that shouldn't really come as much of a surprise to people. Um, but firstly, to do church biblically, um, rooted in Scripture, rooted in the Bible, um, and, and, and yet uh, listening and shaped by God's voice. So hearing him speak, hearing him speak prophetically. As a church, historically, we've always moved very quickly when God's spoken. And I just want to encourage us that that's a great attribute, um, to be malleable in his hands. Um, to be open to change, to be open to moving as he directs us. And, you know, like rooting ourselves on the Bible, but actually being open to being shaped by his voice and prophetic words. Um, secondly, um, just to continue to grow in the many ministries that we're starting uh, at the moments of gospel communities. There's so much happening within the church um, and just continued growth for each of those. So stability in the food bank, stability in our CAP Center across all the other GCs and so many different areas across the church, just growth and stability. And that takes people, that takes investment, that takes time, that takes energy and that takes resources from you guys. Um, And so I just really feel kind of it's, it's a time for us to be investing uh, and all of that. And then thirdly, right at the bottom, um, I feel kind of over the next season, it, it, it's a preparation time. Um, it, it's a season of preparation. We have, as Steph mentioned earlier, sent people um, abroad to church plant, people on mission, um, and, and I'm full of faith that that's only going to increase. Um, there was a slide that went up about um, the urban church planting school that will only accelerate that. Um, and just that as a church, we need to be investing now in the preparation time praying into um, all that God's got for us as we uh, send people and mission and send them all all across the world really to plant churches Um, and actually we each have a part to play in that in terms of encouraging and strengthening and counseling one another that's me done hello church Um, so I'm just going to borrow from 
the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, when he describes how the church should look, which I guess re- reflects as closely as possible how I feel towards um, towards you. Um, so Paul says in describing the church, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And then Paul goes on to describe different parts of the body, and he says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Um, And I guess I chose this because my heart really is that we grow together as one body in revealing Christ, that there's just this wonderful representation that where you have these myriad of different members and different people come together, that when we're all in one room, there's, there's something of Christ that's revealed. And, uh, you know, Paul goes on in this passage to talk about when one suffers, all suffers, when one rejoices, all rejoice. And um, I just know that there's people in the church here with whom I have suffered alongside, and they've suffered alongside me, people who have rejoiced with me and I've rejoiced with them and uh, I know it's in times like that where Christ has really been brought home to me in such a very real way and um, one of the words that was spoken there was that the church will be known for its love and for miracles and I think that that combination really really excites me and um, because I think those two things representing Christ on earth is just a magnificent privilege that all of us coming together um, functioning as as each our part but coming together as a corporate um, is just, just such a wonderful picture and um, you know my heart is that we do really represent Christ in that way that we all know our place in terms of the body and that everyone is functioning well you know I personally really want to see people walking in the door you know that may be like the cave of Adullam but then walking out maybe the other end you know going to preach the gospel in all nations and that's my heart just to see people restored and set free and built up in this place so that we can you know further the gospel um, and play our own little part here in Camden so um, as Paul said all of this all of what we've said is about is about Christ it's so that he might be revealed and uh, it's just wonderful to come together with you all and um, you know we really honor you as a church we thank you for journeying with us we thank you for coming along every week we thank you for serving and pouring out your hearts we thank you for coming and worshiping with us and um you know we very much count ourselves as part of the body um it is truly jesus who leads this church every time when we get together we most most of the time we're just asking god to help us because we don't know what to do um but we thank you thank you for honoring us and yeah we honor you and um it would just be lovely for us to join back in in praise, I think, all together as one and uh, pray that Christ is revealed. I just want to quickly just honour our wives, really. I don't know how many of them are in the room, but I know Davina is. Do you want to, some people may not even know who our wives are. Dev, do you want to just quickly stand and give us a wave? That's Davina. And, uh, is, Lena, is Lena here, Hazia's wife? She's in Christ. Is Natalie here, Simon's wife? in Christ. <laughs> is Tanika here, Richard's wife? Tanika, stand up. This is Tanika. We are incomplete, thoroughly incomplete without our wives. And um, the, so much of what we do is, is, is in teams with our wives. And the stuff that we don't particularly do hands-on with our wives, we then go back and talk to our wives. <laughs> 
about it and pray with our wives and um, we're so helped and strengthened and uh, you know we, we, we wouldn't know what to do with our wives so we just want to we don't believe God's called our wives to carry the, the burden in the same way but they're absolutely teeming with us in this and we totally honour and just you know just respect their incredible gifts and character and, and beauty so I just want to say that really thank you Davina, Tanika Lena and Natalie. So please honour them and just, you know, give them a high five or a cuddle when you see them. Okay, great. Thank you, guys.